1: Welcome to this episode of the Spin. This podcast, a podcast that happens annually. Uh, This is a music podcast, and I am Sam Dow. And I'm Aiden Clare. And you have Will about to spin with us as we spin the latest and greatest in music news. Yeah, I have no idea what this episode will be about. I'll say that right off the top.
0: We need to establish that this is a, a soft reboot. I've yeah. just been this part. It's a soft reboot or just uh, another season, season two.
1: Yeah, this is season two. And if season two is only one episode long, then so be it.
0: We'll see. We'll try to make it more than one episode long. Yeah. At least.
1: Well, it'll be a mini series, season two.
0: We'll try to make it at least a five episode run followed by a very long hiatus.
1: Yeah. We're, <laughs> we we're waiting to see if the network, which is also us, renews us.
0: Like we're we got to gonna... be realistic here. We got to be realistic. Yeah can't
1: put all our eggs in one podcast
0: yeah well before we like actually go into the the meat and potatoes of the podcast let's let's like get an update on ourselves the main cast yeah what have what have you been <laughs> what up have to? we been up to since yeah. season one <laughs> yeah uh what the fuck what the fuck have I
1: been up to man uh shit's pretty much the same I've not been as musical uh regrettably so uh I opened Logic to record the podcast today and uh the last project that I'd used was when I tried to make a cover of Monkberry Moon Delight by Paul McCartney (laughs) and that was like that was at least maybe it was like a month or two ago that I was working on that but before that I haven't been too musical um but in the meantime I've released a book I've been writing I've been doing some writing and stuff uh, and you can buy that book by going on Amazon and searching Earthman by Sam Dow or you can go to samdow.ca and find out more information or just email me at samdow at samdow.ca and I'll like send hook
0: you up with a copy or something. Now I would buy it, but I actually already did buy it, so buying it again would be kind of superfluous, but you but... could you could <laughs> buy it again is what you're saying. Yeah, I could buy. If you
1: didn't already have
0: a author signed copy, you probably would buy it. I could buy anything I wanted with the right (laughs) price. At the right price, (laughs) yeah. Everything's Uh, for sale. This book
1: is well priced at. uh, Give me your best offer, dollars, and uh, or interesting trades considered. If you have something (laughs) that you want to trade for a book, then I'm willing to accept it.
0: I'm basically in the same camp. I didn't. I haven't really done a whole lot. Uh, since we last gave you well the last thing I did music wise was basically just buy this iMac which was supposed to be like specifically for doing music stuff yeah and then um, I was going to set up like all the my cables and stuff like that to have a more kind of streamlined music setup mm-hmm. and ever since doing that I haven't really done it <laughs> yeah ever-, ever since purchasing the iMac that is I haven't really like done that yeah Uh but I, I was still working on a one composition like that I was working on on paper. Uh, and then I've been doing that on and off for a little while.
1: Yeah. I and think then, you, I think you've sent me some like I've seen progress photos of the paper of it. I can't remember yeah. the last time I heard progress <laughs> of it as audio.
0: Yeah. I haven't really been like uh, I haven't really had any uh, pressing musical ideas recently. I have been wanting to do the podcast, though. Hence why we have reconvened. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Quite. I've got like two things on a list of stuff for this episode shall we jump into some news and or commentary we shall we have to
0: it's in heard. our contract yeah
1: yeah we're contracted by the <laughs> podcast overlords that we have to touch on some news and or, and or commentary the podcast pull bureau yeah. <laughs> i've got one thing and one thing only under news and uh news and commentary stuff <laughs> i think i um, added
0: this like a month ago
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, a, a David Bowie documentary just came out, or Boy, is coming out, or something like that.
0: Oh, you have uh, your own notes. Oh yeah, okay.
1: I've I if we had a collaborative note, I've not seen it,
0: so it'll be surprised to me, my guy. I made one, and it also has two items on it. <laughs> okay. So between uh, us, we've got four items. That's good. And one of mine is like barely
1: music related. <laughs> but anyways, David Bowie's got a documentary coming out. Uh, and along with that uh sort of a, a an accompanying al- album I guess live album uh compilation album whatever you want to call it the so, uh, documentary itself is called moon age Daydream. Uh, I've heard kind of it's an interesting uh, non-conventional directing behind it like it's a, a little less uh kind of the what you would expect from a music documentary um which kind of uh you know i I'm, I'm almost expecting it to be more about It'll have some journeying of his stuff, but a lot more music to it than uh, what you'd expect from just like a a biography of of an artist.
0: Okay, yeah. I I know that there was a David Bowie movie that came out not too long ago, and it was not a documentary. It was like a biopic. Biopic? Oh, yeah.
1: I remember hearing about that a while ago.
0: Maybe we even touched on it briefly in our podcast. But if my memory recalls,
1: that looked like shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was like an unauthorized David Bowie biopic and I can't remember what it was called. I think it was called Starman. Uh, that sounds about right. Let's do some Probably on on-site research here.
1: Oh, Stardust is what it was called.
0: Oh, Stardust. Okay. Yeah, this. Is the, yeah, so that was like an unauthorized David Bowie biopic, and apparently yeah. it was just uh, abysmal.
1: It is so un. It is so not in my realm of things that I didn't realize it had already come out,
0: and it came out two years ago. The only reason that it was news whatsoever was just because of uh, how bad it is. So it had like that notorious quality to it. I don't think it was, I I don't even think it's a, like an accurate David Bowie biopic.
1: Yeah. And uh, my understanding was that it did not contain a lot of music by David Bowie, if any, like any of his actual songs. Yeah. I think the reason was- That's how unauthorized it
0: was. (laughs) They were unable to secure the synchronization rights- to uh david bowie's songs uh, yeah. so like i don't know i mean like if you if you go through that many barriers in your production why not just shut the whole thing down like what why is it yeah. even worth the cost at that point
1: uh and i know i remember the the actor mark maron was in it uh <laughs> the actor that's like his like producer or something yeah uh, I, was, I and the guy that plays david bowie nothing against him because i don't know who the fuck he is but he looked nothing like David Bowie (laughs) from that trailer that I saw.
0: Yeah. It just seemed like, uh, um, all of the, uh, every barrier to the production was like in place. Like they, they could have just shafted it, but they didn't.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think one day, uh, a good David Bowie movie could be made. Uh, however, I think that for now I'm okay with it just being the documentary, uh, that's come out. Like I've, I've, uh, on Spotify, I've listened to a bit of the the soundtrack that accompanies it. And it's some really interesting, cool live versions of uh, some tracks that I'm very well familiar with. But I, I feel like until the David Bowie estate is on board, uh, we, we should wait on an actual David Bowie movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, I also feel like a, a David Bowie film could be good, right? I mean, we've seen uh, recently... Several like great uh, biopics come out. Well, not great necessarily, but there was a time where that was the trendy thing to do was to make yeah. a uh, a biopic either of a legendary musician that still exists or somebody that is like recently deceased, right? Yeah, like Freddie Mercury. Like there was yep. the Bohemian Rhapsody. We had Bohemian Rhapsody a couple years a couple years ago. Yeah, uh, uh, Rocket s- Man. Rockman? Yeah, yeah, Rocket, Rocket Man. Man,
1: right there. Uh, Elvis, most lately. I'm not like a huge Elvis guy. Uh, If anything, I'm not an Elvis guy.
0: I actually, um, I watched the Elvis movie last night because it's streaming. Oh, yeah. And it was actually quite good. I was uh, impressed by it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like I'm just not a big Elvis guy in general. Yeah. Uh, But you enjoyed the movie, it seems. Well. Or at least the Hollywooded version of the Elvis story.
0: I'm not a huge fan of uh, Boz Lerman, but he's the director. Yeah. Uh, But I had seen uh, a few things that he's done, like... uh, you know, he's, he's, he did that uh, Romeo and Juliet adaptation in, like, 1997 or whatever. You know, the very kind of distinct one with, um, was it, Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. You know that one? Yeah, I'm familiar. I've not seen it, but I'm familiar. And he did Moulin Rouge and uh, The Great Gatsby and all those other movies. Huh. I'm not a huge fan of his particular style of, uh, like, direction and editing, but I feel like it worked pretty well with the Elvis movie. I didn't really know, like, a lot of the the biography of Elvis necessarily. But, yeah, I thought it was a good
1: movie. Uh, I I remember laughing seeing the trailer when I was seeing a different movie in theaters. Uh, just of Tom Hanks being in the movie. It just it, it <laughs> yeah. seems so silly that... I don't know why. Like, Tom Hanks is awesome. I love him in a lot of stuff.
0: But it seems so silly for whatever reason when he appeared in that trailer. <laughs> well... I don't know. I I also did think it was like his character is, uh, I mean, the whole style of it is kind of goofy. I mean, if you watch any Baz Luhrmann films, they're kind of really hard to take seriously. Like the editing and just the way things are lit is is almost like purposefully campy. The way that he uses music is really interesting though. I mean, going back to Moulin Rouge, like, uh, You had all those like pop songs, basically, even though it was essentially supposed to be like a a period piece of like early uh, 20th century France. Right. Uh, They had all these kind of like cabaret covers of like modern pop songs and stuff like that. And uh, even in the Elvis movie, the sequences where there isn't, like, music playing, like, in the film, where it isn't, like, rock or blues or whatever contemporary pop music of the time was playing, yeah, there, there was, like, kind of, like, trap beats and stuff playing. Like, uh, huh. they kind of blended anachronistic styles together. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I do know what you're saying, because you mentioned he did the Great Gatsby movie, and that also comes to mind as there was a lot of, like, almost modern hip-hop type music accompanying the score for like a 1920s era film uh anyway,
0: that was a little yeah. little tangent about the elvis film but yeah uh any other news and or commentary oh yeah well i i um i had noticed as well and this is kind of a, a running arc within our podcast is that logic uh has recently properly returned to the music industry not oh. uh <laughs> not covertly just like actually under the moniker Logic, and he's returned to BMG. Uh, like he's actually signed to BMG now. So uh, not only uh, has he retired and then come back to the music industry, even after announcing that he would, you know, retire and then become a streamer, uh, he's he's even done so under the the name Logic as well. So he's not even like doing it covertly at all.
1: Yeah i feel like we just need to take logic have a nice sit down with them and explain to them the definition of retirement (laughs) i mean it's it's okay to take a break from stuff everyone's allowed to take breaks but when you say when you make a big whole fucking fuss about retiring then retire don't make it a whole thing of like oh now i'm back from retirement it's like no you took like a sabbatical you took a hiatus right we take hiatuses we know what that's like (laughs) We didn't retire this podcast. We took a, we we
0: each separately took sabbaticals for a year and then we're back. Yeah, exactly. So uh, what I'm kind of wondering is, has Logic's glory days kind of come and gone? You know, has he, has he lost his momentum?
1: Yeah. I, based on, you said this was in the notes from a couple months back. Yeah, it was actually. So the fact that I haven't heard of any of his return to music Kind of speaks to maybe he should have said retired. I mean, he would have had one of the greatest kind of short lived music, uh, music careers if he had just done his thing and then retired with, you know, his voluntary retirement uh, and then didn't come back. Then he'd be like, oh, man, that guy was a legend. Then he comes back and releases, I presume, a not, you know, maybe a mediocre album. And that's not, I'm just saying that because I haven't heard it. I assume that if it was the greatest shit that ever existed, I would have heard about it, but I didn't hear about it, which is the point that I'm making.
0: Yeah. And and that's the, the, the problem is that has, has retirement even been good for him? Because now I feel like logic, you know, he's a name from the past, you know? Yeah. He's no long, he no longer has any relev- relevancy. Like the music industry, like, it's kind of unforgiving because it hasn't even been that long since he quote-unquote retired, yeah. but we've already moved on. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> I don't know how many more retirements from this guy I can take. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Like, is
1: he done now again, or is he an active musician? Is he still well, streaming?
0: Well, I no don't know knows? if he's put out anything since he uh, re-signed to BMG. That, that's basically the most recent news I know from him. But, I mean, Logic is definitely not a name that comes up on the, the charts anymore, you know? No. yeah. I don't even know if he was ever a charting musician necessarily. He, he might have been more niche, but I'm not yeah. sure.
1: I have a confession. Have What's not that? Listened, I've not listened to a lot of music. <laughs> I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm already scraping uh, my barrel.
0: <laughs> I listened to some music, to some music.
1: Uh, I listened uh, to the album that you wrecked to me, uh, The Shape of Things to Come oh right and that was a very immediate vibe when i, I played that like from the first second of that album even if if to anyone listening if you're not a jazz person if you listen to the first few like first 20 seconds of that album and you're not vibing yet then you don't have a musical soul of sorts <laughs> it is immediately like it sucks you in and it just like it's it establishes what it is and it's fucking there for you
0: it's a to good, be it's a good listening experience Typically, we're talking about uh, the shape of things to come by George Benson. Yes. <laughs> yeah i I had known about that album for a long time. In fact, the, the title track was uh, in my noteworthy compositions YouTube playlist. Oh yeah. But uh, I hadn't listened to the full album, at least uh, not in recent memory. And just going back and listening to it, it just like fulfilled the um, the vibe <laughs> requirements yeah. of whatever my present state was at the time yeah vibe requirements were filled
1: yeah i listened to that album on the way back home from work because i had like a late meeting and it i was like particularly stressed that day this was like last week uh and i played that album and it was like all right now i'm like in a good headspace just from the immediate first playing of the first song on that album it
0: was a good vibe george george benson was a guitarist and not only was he a guitarist, he was also uh, like a singer as well. He, he eventually became like a, a disco guitarist and singer. In fact, oh. um, I think Give Me the Night is his big like disco single that he has. So it was a weird pivot because he was like one of the greatest jazz guitarists. There's some really good horn arrangements. Uh, as yeah. I, I told you, I didn't even know this at the time, but um, Herbie Hancock plays keyboards on that album.
1: Yeah. I'm a and- pretty big Herbie Hancock fan. Hell so yeah! Hearing that he was on this album I was like, all right, that that gave me like the entry that I needed
0: to check out the album. And he actually played uh, more predominantly on the title track "Shape of Things to Come." Yeah. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I think Ron Carter plays bass as well. So they got some pretty good names on this whole album. But what's what's good and nice about it is that like, uh, especially for a fusion album, like the arrangements are are actually so like dense. Like there's a lot of horns, a lot of strings lot of like auxiliary percussion and stuff like that so i mean it's a good listen
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it was a surprisingly good good listen
0: yeah george benson i'll probably have to go back and look look up george benson just i'm actually curious about more of his disco stuff because i've always i've heard give me the night you know it's like an essential disco track right do you have any more music you said you had another item was it was it i have
1: another item on my list this is it's very vaguely music related uh, so you're familiar with the collaboration of Justin Bieber with the Canadian legend Tim Horton
0: oh, <laughs> yeah I am <laughs> I think this is uh also another arc yeah <laughs> so uh, for those unfamiliar
1: uh, the Tim Horton Tim Horton's uh, coffee shop chain they've made a collaboration with Justin Bieber to release uh, a few. Uh, merch items, as well as some menu items. The menu items include a couple of Timbits, which are basically just uh, Timbits that already existed with uh, ingredients of other Timbits that exist. Uh, so the the theme that they did was making something out of what they already had, which you can respect them on a business standpoint, but in terms of a collaboration, it, it felt a little uh, lackluster. Yeah. Uh, however... I've had an idea where if I, as myself being a um, musician with a degree of success, uh, to what degree, we will never know. (laughs) But if I were to have a collaboration with Tim Hortons, I have the product that would make that collaboration a worthwhile experience. This is inspired by a Tim Hortons item that I was given uh, by my mother. Uh, she ordered me a chocolate dip donut but she also ordered herself a chocolate chip cookie right and they put them in the same bag and if anyone who's been to Tim horton's is, is uh will be very familiar with getting two items in the same bag especially with one of them a, a donut that has chocolate stuck to the top of it is a, is a nightmare if you uh to be fair if there wasn't a cookie there it would have been stuck to the bag and it would have lost all the chocolate on the chocolate dip donut it's
0: basically the litmus test to know whether they give a shit or not. Yeah, it very <laughs> whether, much is. Wh- whether you're at a good Tim Hortons or a bad Tim Hortons. Yeah. Uh, so my mother ordered me the chocolate dip. She ordered herself a chocolate chip. And
1: when she took them out of the bag, they were fused together. And she <laughs> tried to unfuse her cookie from the donut, but it refused.
0: It refused. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So I ate a chocolate dip donut that had most of a chocolate chip cookie attached to the top of it, and I got to say, man, my first thought was, why didn't Justin Bieber release this? This is such (laughs) an amazing product that this should be on the menu regardless of collaboration with musicians. But then I decided, if I myself ever became successful enough to warrant a collaboration with the Tim Hortons, this would be my product.
0: I just love how this amazing product... (laughs) Uh, didn't arise from some like spark it it, it ero- arose just from the like sheer apathy that the <laughs> <laughs> that whoever's whoever uh got you your donut uh exhibited
1: <laughs> they just had no respect
0: for the customers so there's like you know what just shove it all in the same bag just let it stick together you know what i was always wondering uh, they have a, a Boston cream donut, but like it would be cool if they had Boston cream timbits. You know what I'm saying? Oh like, yeah, would like, be pretty good too. Like, why don't they have that? That would have been good. That would be your collaboration if you got a
1: musician collaboration deal with Tim Hortons.
0: Uh, the Boston cream timbit. Well, it's it's out there in the public domain now, so you can yeah. technically use it if you want.
1: Honestly, though, if I saw, if I see Tim Hortons after today come out with the Boston cream timbit, I think we've got we've got evidence on our side that you came up with it
0: okay so i'll just edit out the part <laughs> where i said it's in the public domain yeah it's copyrighted but i would very much like a uh, boston cream to bid. yeah i mean i'm surprised that, it does, that doesn't exist you know why hasn't somebody at tim hortons thought of that
1: yeah well now someone has thought of it
0: or why don't they think of uh putting some kind of plastic uh like wrap or so, like some kind of uh, like plastic foil over that your donut so that it doesn't fuse with uh, the top of yeah. the bag or because
1: just like give a proper or, you know, sometimes they put them in the box, but typically that's more for like the deluxe donuts.
0: I know that they do have like a plastic, like foil or like, like a piece of like, uh, like a thin plastic. Yeah. That they put over like, but it's interesting. Like sometimes they do it. Sometimes they don't.
1: Yeah. It really depends on how much they give a shit.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The bar is pretty low.
1: Yeah. Well, but it led to inspiration, and inspiration has struck. Tim Hortons, I will
0: await your phone call. (laughs) You know how to reach me. I'm there all the time. You can talk to my lawyers. (laughs) Yeah. You can talk to my marketing team. You can talk to
1: Justin Bieber's agent. And, like, tell them to contact me, because they don't have my number.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so before we go too far away from the... Previous topic, uh, I I was touching briefly on logic and how he signed to BMG. So I didn't really know exactly who BMG was specifically. I mean, obviously BMG are a record label, but BMG are are actually a rights management and record label, and they are owned by Bertelsmann. I think uh, they're the parent company of BMG, but. I always knew BMG as Sony BMG. In fact, I think in the in the past, I might have referred to BMG as Sony BMG. Apparently, Sony sold their stake in, in uh, BMG recently. Now it's just BMG. But BMG is not really like a, uh, a major player. At least it's not one of the big three right now. But it's still a big record label that has a whole bunch of properties under its ownership, right? I also think I made another mistake that I might as well rectify now. The big three are Warner, Sony, and Universal. Uh, and I might have said that it was Warner who is the um, like overwhelming controller of the market share in music, but I don't think that's the case. I think it's uh, it's um, Universal. Yes. Uh, Universal, I think, has fifty four point five percent of the market share of the music industry. Yeah, that's a they're percent. basically the yeah they're basically like the music equivalent of Disney. Yeah. Yeah. And so we talk about the big three. There really is like the big one and then like a relatively big, but still, but not quite as big two, uh, which are Warner and Sony. And, but universal is like massive.
1: Yeah. That's a lot of, uh, 50, what? 54% you said?
0: 54.5%. That's,
1: that's like more than half. That's a lot.
0: Yeah. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, universal um like i said music universal are basically like disney like disney is like just uh you know how disney has basically acquired all these like properties recently like oh, yeah. fox star wars the, and shit yeah lucasfilm like their universal music group is massive i think um uh tencent owns uh part of uh universal music group i think it's uh they're there they were they were not like a controlling owner but tencent are a, like a chinese company but anyway.
1: So, so do you mention Universal? Do they? Did they? Are they associated with BMG?
0: No, no, no. So now, uh, it just
1: it's just they're kind of a free agent, separate from Sony.
0: Uh, they are a free agent separate from Sony. Yeah, because okay. Sony used to have a controlling share of BMG. That's why they they used to actually be called Sony BMG. And then the uh, when the company basically got sold back to Bertelsmann, who who repurchased their their shares. Uh, it just became BMG again. Okay. A guy named Vincent Bollore, I remember reading about this. Vincent Bollore owns twenty-eight percent of Universal Music Group. So that guy is basically loaded. Uh Tencent actually owns twenty percent of uh, of Universal M- Music Group. So that's they're a pretty big shareholder. And then like a holding company called Pershing Square Holdings owns a 10%. So those are probably like the biggest owners. Bolore himself, who is like the majority shareholder, doesn't own uh, the twenty-eight percent directly. Uh, I remember reading about this company Vivendi. I'm just I'm seeing this on Wikipedia because Wikipedia has like a, a breakdown of uh, of the major shareholders. Yeah, Vivendi is basically like a holding company, and you basically see the a lot of these in uh, the music industry. Like, holding company is basically just like a shell company that's like set up in order to own other assets. Yeah, so Universal Music Group is is massive. Like the way I remember that Universal Music Group is the biggest one is that they own the universe. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> so if you're listening to popular music, there's like more than a 50% chance that Universal is making money off of it.
0: Exactly. Yeah, so I just want to talk about BMG in order to clear up exactly who and what they were. And then also talk about Universal Music Group. And it, obviously they are a music group, so... That, that means that they function uh, in multiple respects. Like Universal Music Group controls uh, like the record labels that are owned by Universal. And they also control the, the rights management. So the ones that the publishing companies that own all the, the rights and stuff like that. And then a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Probably distribution.
1: Yeah. So like what are some other artists that BMG has? Or is Logic like now their big name kind of thing? Like, was I don't know acquiring so, Logic's out-of-retirement uh, career, new career, re-careered, is that, like, a big get for them? Or is it just, like, kind of run-of-the-mill, yeah, we got Logic. Like, he's, he's like, a, a B-tier of what they currently have.
0: Oh, they had a perfect circle. Uh, I'm not sure. Like, uh, I couldn't tell you, like, uh, an artist, and then, like, tell you, like, what label or what... Uh what company represents them. Like, I, I just, yeah. I don't know that off the yeah, top of my head. Yeah, fair enough. Uh,
1: there's a, I there's probably could get a 55%
0: chance of getting it
1: right by guessing universal. Yeah. If you, named, <laughs> if you named
0: them. Well, I mean, like when I go onto YouTube and I, and, um, you see like when somebody uses a song, like it has to have the, like the license underneath. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Like half the time it's like uh, licensed by UMG, you know, whatever umg germany umg canada
1: yeah yeah well i would like to put my stuff forward uh if universal if you want to just increase it a couple more percentage of a percent you can hit me up i'll be willing to join uh bmg i know you're a little bit smaller than or uh, substantially smaller uh i'm also open to you too so yeah uh, you got an offer just send that to sam dow at samdow.ca, and you can uh, get in touch with me that way
0: Yeah, an artist who has enjoyed modest success. (laughs) An indie uh, artist.
1: Yeah, if you're looking for something indie, something that no one has heard before, (laughs) then I'm your guy.
0: That's how we market ourselves. Nobody has heard us.
1: Like you've never heard before, literally.
0: (laughs) We'd have so much success in Portland. We just go around just just pretending that we're not ourselves and just be like, oh, have you heard of Aiden Clare? wait, wait <laughs> we you haven't
1: like, you heard of this guy sam dow he's uh he's got some albums <laughs> he has albums <laughs> are you a fan
0: of music
1: <laughs> then you might like sam dow
0: have you heard music
1: not like this you have not this music you haven't
0: i guarantee you haven't heard this music <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i can see on soundcloud that For whatever reason, like 95% of my plays come from Ottawa, Ontario. (laughs) (laughs) I just
0: loop uh, uh, like playlists that contain all of your most recent music.
1: Yeah,
0: man. All right. Do you want to do Joe Pass, Joe Smash?
1: Yeah, let's do some Joe Pass, Joe Smash.
0: Joe Pass or Joe Smash. Okay. Have you ever, have you actually heard this song? I have heard it. it. Okay. Uh,
1: when you send it to me, I listened to it, but
0: I recognized it as having heard it before. I, I put this song in the notes, or at least I had made note <laughs> to add this song to our show notes for this particular podcast. And looking back today, I was like, oh, is this song already kind of old? I'm not sure. And then I look on the Billboard Top 100, and I see that this song is still number one, and it has been number one for 14 weeks. Mm-hmm. I am, of course, talking about the song as it was by Harry Styles.
1: Yeah. Uh, I When you sent it to me or sent me the name of it, I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, I know that Harry Styles has had some stuff come out recently, but then I heard it. I'm like, oh shit, that's that song that I've heard like a million times.
0: Yeah. And it's strange because um, it doesn't strike me as a number one. You know, it strikes yeah. me as like maybe a number five or a number seven, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. or any number that's not one.
1: Uh, and I'm not a huge fan of Harry Styles as a person, but I didn't mind the song. And the fact that I was like, oh shit, that's that song. I didn't know it was a Harry Styles song before that, and I didn't mind it.
0: I didn't mind this song either. I think the first time I listened to it was just on my phone, so admittedly it was not as hi-fi as listening to it on like a proper set of headphones. Yeah. One of the draws to it, I think the one of the, the good aspects of it is that the production is actually quite good specifically like the mix is quite good is it's it sounds like an acoustic drum kit i'm not sure to what extent it's been quantized the the acoustic kit does sound quite good and i've i feel like we're uh seeing quite a big resurgence of standard kind of uh, eighth note groove except at like a really fast tempo like there's another song that uh uh Justin Bieber did with uh the Kid Leroy, but it had the same kind of fast eighth note groove and the name of it escapes me stay is that what it called yeah stay yeah it was actually not bad even though i find uh the kid Leroy kind of insufferable but um yeah no this song is 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 fine i thought that uh the vocal performance is is good i i really hope that you enjoy that one synth hook that plays throughout the song because once (laughs) you've heard it once you're gonna hear it like 10 times and also like the song really just doesn't change that much like every
1: i I will say it does sound a lot like the same couple bars playing again and again
0: throughout the whole song same chord progression like once you get to the bridge the bridge just feels like another verse really like the bridge is just basically like a uh uh harry styles with like a like a vocal filter something like that on it's 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 fine uh songwriting is okay and uh, it's just like it just does feel like that. It's the same idea, just repeated, you know, with like slight variations.
1: Yeah, yeah. I will say that that idea though, it's not bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, and I also like the uh, the sound of the of the drums. Like, if it is an acoustic kit, then uh, the way they've you know mic'd it and you know stuff like that sounds really cool. It sounds very stereo. Yeah.
1: Okay. So what do you uh, bequeath upon this in terms of your opinion of either Joe Pass, Joe Smash?
0: I give it a very slight Joe Smash.
1: Yeah, I would give it a slight Joe Smash as well.
0: Yeah, it's not like a, an anthemic kind of like, uh, like... He did this song called The Sign of the Times, which I really like. And it has more of like a building kind of anthemic quality. This one, uh, I feel like it kind of maintains the same mood. And most of the time, it's kind of just like uh, kind of very breathy falsetto that he's singing until the very end, which he kind of, uh, you know, goes into full voice, which is a nice kind of end to the song, I guess you could say. But yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it just, uh, it's I, it does feel like it's just the same set of bars, as you said.
1: For a surprise addition to Joe Pass, Joe Smash, I will <sighs> uh, like to put forward a song... That has been, uh, well, it's been in my world because it's been in my partner's world for, uh, the, their recent TikTok, uh, explosions, uh, from the Brit Barbie, uh, the one that goes period, 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 period. If you think that was a bad performance, then you should hear the real song. <laughs> 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 Uh, it, uh, from my understanding, it was a real song. And I think this Brit Barbie persona has added the period, the uh, period at, eh, uh, and you have to say it with the tongue sticking out alternating sides for each, uh, and, at, uh, to f- fully get the performance in there. Uh, but I will give that, I'll give it a hard Joe smash because it is very funny every time I hear it.
0: For a minute, I thought this was going to be like a, uh, like one of these songs that is like kind of uh, like so bad that it's good type thing. Is that is no? That it's this? it's so bad that it just makes me laugh when I hear it. But
1: usually, okay. I'm hearing my partner <laughs> recite it, and then I heard the actual version earlier, uh, and it is funny. It is just like it, it's almost like it it deteriorates itself. Like they, because they, I I presume that it was filmed on TikTok, uh, and then it was. Uh, like they they did it in one take, and then their performance kind of waned as they did it. Uh, so it just kind of devolves into a mess.
0: But it starts as a mess too, hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and because it makes me laugh, I give it a Joe Smash. You know that song "Running Up That Hill" from uh <laughs> by Kate Bush is still on the uh, charts as well. Oh yeah, I do. I
1: I knew that it was. It had a resurgence. Do you know why it had a resurgence? Uh, yeah, it was
0: because of uh, Stranger Things.
1: Okay, because uh, when you first mentioned it to me, it sounded like you didn't know it was because of Stranger Things, and you were just flabbergasted that running up that hill became uh, a number one sensation again.
0: Well, I knew that it was from Stranger Things. I didn't know that that uh, show would uh, give it enough momentum to become like a charting single again. Like, yeah. that was surprising.
1: I'll, I'll admit, I streamed it a few times on Spotify because I saw it on Stranger Things, so uh stranger things uh especially with the 80s era pop music or whatever i guess some heavy metal also in this last season uh some of that stuff doing quite all right uh uh, in the resurgences because of that show exactly like i wouldn't be surprised uh be surprised if the master of puppets song uh regained some charts as well after the use of it in that show
0: I'm just like looking at the Billboard Top 100 and I'm just like thinking about how how behind I am because like I've listened to so few of these tracks. <laughs> yeah. So have you seen Stranger Things series 4? I don't think I've seen Stranger Things series 3. Okay. <laughs> I think I Well, s-
1: the premise in the show is that you you're getting like killed by this this evil dude, but then when you listen to your favorite song, it like pulls you back to reality out of like the upside downness. Oh, really? And in the case of the character Max on the show, it's the song Running Up That Hill. So like you hear the song like uh, really epically uh, in like her first kind of uh, escaping from there, but you hear it throughout the show every now and then. I'm asking you, what would be your song that would save you from Vecna's curse <laughs> to escape from an upside down type thing? What is your favorite song? That you would put on that would save you from
0: from peril oh shit um i don't know i feel like all the songs that are coming to my head would just like put me further in peril (laughs) 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 um i don't know um Maybe, uh, I'm trying to think of a song that's like actually wholesome or actually has, uh, isn't like, uh, doesn't have like some dirty or disgusting qualities. Maybe Heroes by David Bowie.
1: Okay. That's a very good one. Yeah. Uh, mine would be, uh, You Can Call Me Al by Paul Simon.
0: Oh, nice. That's a good one. I like Paul Simon. I, I haven't properly got into Paul Simon, but, uh.
1: I I will say that like ninety percent of my knowledge of Paul Simon is the song You Can Call Me Al, but I have listened to like a couple of his albums, but just I like not none has hit me quite like You Can Call Me Al. Uh,
0: what's the other one? Uh, is it Fifty Ways to Leave Your Lover? That's a good one too. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, I watched a video where it was like a breakdown of how he took like um an Andalusian cadence, which is like, uh, basically like a minor, like you're going down the scale basically like you're going like a minor to g major to f to e major so like he, he took that but he like uh, modified it and it made it a little more spicy so that it wasn't as bland sounding yeah. it was like a guitar an analysis video but that's okay. the way i knew of that song
1: uh shall we jump into some get wrecked nerd
0: get wrecked nerd, get wrecked, nerd. yeah I don't even know if I've prepared any Get Wrecked Nerd.
1: I have a vague one that I could throw out there. Not vague okay. as in the music, but that I vaguely thought about it. Okay. Uh, it'll depend on your answer to this question. Have you seen the movie Encanto?
0: Uh, no, I haven't seen it Encanto. No. Okay.
1: So I'm going to recommend the soundtrack to that movie, but I'll also recommend you just watch that movie. I. Uh, so the music is done by Lin-Manuel Miranda. So who you will know is like having done Hamilton among other things.
0: Yeah. Uh, I will say preemptively. Um, I I couldn't really get into Hamilton.
1: Yeah. I've, uh, I've listened to the soundtrack, but I, I wasn't able to get through the full performance of the, uh, of the show that was on Disney plus for it. Uh, but I'll say that guy is a talented guy. I, uh, he does what like classic like i'm i'm thinking like aladdin era disney uh what i want from a disney musical Hmm. the fact that they got this guy to do that movie and i hope that he does more movies with them he's like the modern uh musical guy and i like Hmm. that about him uh and encanto is no exception encanto is a very well written movie but even better written music we don't talk about Bruno is probably one of the best fucking songs I've heard in the past couple of years.
0: Yeah, didn't <laughs> that fact- song also like get really popular like right after that film came out? Like, didn't oh, yeah. it also that like, one, do That numbers? was like the,
1: this almost surprise breakout hit. Like that movie got nominated for some Oscars for the music, uh, and they were gonna and they did perform a song at the Oscars, but it wasn't We Don't Talk About Bruno. It was like kind of like the emotional song of the movie. Uh, I think that song being like the surprise breakout hit for them caught them off guard as well. Uh, hmm. But that is a damn fine fucking song where, uh, you know, you got the main cast singing about why they don't talk about Bruno, who's kind of like <laughs> the ostracized family member of the family. Uh, and then like each family member has a different verse. And then in like the climax of the song, you've got all of these different verses being sung over top of each other. And it's, like, such a really cool effect, uh, and especially paired with, like, the the wonderful animation of the movie. It's, it's a very well-done song, and all the songs in the movie are done very well. There's a, another song I'm specifically going to mention called uh, – it might be just called Pressure or Surface Pressure, uh, which is sung by uh, the older sister of the main character, who's, like, this very strong woman uh about having to like carry all like the family burdens and shit like that and it's a very fucking good song. Oh. So I'm going to recommend to you the soundtrack of Encanto, but I also recommend you watch the movie of Encanto to see them in context, in context. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was wondering if you had done that intentionally.
1: I didn't at first, but then I capitalized on it and went I, for it.
0: And then you just you dug in. Yes. But uh yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll probably watch Encanto at some point just that uh I think I actually did listen to We Don't Talk About Bruno because I just noticed that uh, using like going through my usual perusal of the top 100 just to see how behind I am I saw that it was pretty far up there actually oh yeah Uh, and it yeah it did numbers it did numbers
1: it definitely did
0: I know which uh, kind of compositional technique you're talking about where at the end they kind of layer all the uh, like different contrasting uh, verses together mm-hmm. and uh, yeah I thought that was done pretty well I have I have seen that done uh, I think pretty sure they've done that in in Disney films before I can't remember really off the top of my head where but oh I think they did that in um, Didn't they do that in Hunchback of Notre Dame uh, during that like with the song where the one evil guy sings the the priest.
1: I'm not as familiar with that movie I'll be honest oh in fact I don't know that I've ever seen that movie I've only read the book you can tell by my, book.
0: yeah. You can tell my by my very vague descriptions of the characters that uh, I'm intimately familiar with the film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get wrecked, nerd. Yes. Okay. All right. So I actually do have a get wrecked nerd. I went to, uh, on vacation uh, last week, but uh, before I went on vacation, I had started to get into like uh, Japanese disco, um, but. More like it's technically called city pop. Like uh, it was a kind of a trend of uh, uh, Japanese pop music that emerged in the eighties uh, and nineties. Okay. And um, the reason I wanted to recommend it this this one in particular is because not only is it a great uh, album, but also because uh, I had noticed as well that one of the songs was uh, sampled recently in a Weekend track. It's uh, and I actually had started to listen to this album before I even heard that uh, the Weekend sampled it. Pardon me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, could be like way wrong, but it's called Fuyu Fukan" by Tomoko Aran, Aran. Right. It came out in 1983. It's like a yeah, it's like a disco kind of uh like pop album. But uh, it has this song on it called Midnight Pretenders, which is probably like the best song on the album. It was sampled by The Weeknd in the song Out of Time. It was funny, I was actually at a Tim Hortons <laughs> and I and I heard uh like there's a little kind of like flute riff in the song that uh um that plays during uh the verse and uh I thought they were literally playing this song like on the radio like oh, uh, yeah. the the original I'm like what what exactly what like what station are they listening to where they're listening to like classic Japanese disco but no it was <laughs> it was the weekend and Funny, like, just on a tangential thing, I've I've actually heard The Weeknd sample some really interesting stuff. Like, I think in the early career of The Weeknd, before he put out stuff that I was, you know, really into, they sampled a, uh, like, a Portishead track. Like, Portishead are, like, a a British kind of down-tempo band. Uh, They took the one called uh, Machine Gun, like, this main kind of uh, uh, drum beat that plays in it and uh and i think that was the first song i ever heard by the weeknd okay um and uh, the song's like isn't great like it's not as good as the Portishead song so i kind of dismissed him as just putting whatever but um it wasn't until like starboy and all the other stuff that i thought the weeknd but yeah i just wanted to bring that up because it actually has some modern relevance and also it's a good album uh midnight pretenders by okay. tomoko aran i'll look that up yeah
1: Alright, uh, any closing remarks? Any final music to throw out there or comments about anything? Nope, not not for me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Spinless Podcast. A podcast about music and all the musical experiences and endeavors and news and uh, commentaries that we can decipher in our brains and translate into words from our mouths right into your ear holes. I've been Sam Dow. And I'm
0: hell yeah, brother.
1: And you will spin again next time. Maybe in a year, maybe in a week. You never know. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah.